Hello humans, and welcome to the world according to Von Roy, the audio edition. My name is Mark Von Roy, and this is an experiment. I will be reading articles written by my brother Christopher Von Roy and published on his blog on Substack. Why am I doing this? Well, because people either don't have a lot of time or they're lazy, and what my brother has written, I feel is worth reading so that people that don't want to read uh, can listen to it if they have the time and they would like to. This is the first time I'm doing something like this and I have to admit I'm a little bit nervous but I feel that the articles are very well written and I'll try to do my best to read them. Uh, it might be slightly confusing at times because my brother Chris refers to himself and it's me that's talking but Hopefully it's entertaining, you might learn something, and this first topic uh, I feel is very, very important, and I would like for more people to hear what my brother has to say. So here goes nothing. This article is titled, To Vax or Not To Vax? Is This Really The Question? An open letter to all the agnostic fence-sitters out there, published August 16th, 2021. So I was at a dinner party last night, and the discussion innocently veered towards the topic of getting the COVID vaccine. Now, I don't attend many dinner parties. In fact, I don't really like being around other people much, even when it is my friends. Introvert by nature, extrovert by nurture and circumstance. I'm not a hermit, yet, though I often dream about embracing that lifestyle. People are just too much work, and I am lazy. So this is how one of the attendees entered the conversation. Oh, I don't know about this vaccine. I'm on the fence about it, you know what I mean? Seeking obvious confirmation from his peers. Well, you're anti-vax then, blurted another friend immediately. Not sardonically, on the contrary. His demeanor was sincere, bordering on the concerned. I felt the same as this other fence-sitting friend of ours is highly intelligent and something of a social butterfly, as in he mingles with many different people and is someone you could imagine others looking towards as a sort of conscious Leitwolf, for lack of a better term, a thought leader of sorts. It is these people that pose the greatest risk to our society, but at the same time also present our greatest hope and salvation. I felt compelled to capture this little moment in time as it is presumably happening all over the globe at present. People expressing their concern over this vaccine. Whether it is body autonomy zealots, or the world is a conspiracy of the rich trying to control the poor soapboxes, or whatever narrative is chosen, the I studied biology and there seems to be something suspicious about the way this vaccine sailed through regulatory process cohort is one of the most rational sounding. Yeah, no shit it sailed through the approval. We're in the middle of a pandemic. How long do you think the authorities would keep a functioning vaccine under wraps? This is the thought that immediately strikes my mind when I hear people airing their often banal and self-aggrandizing skepticism. The most dangerous people in this pandemic are not the overtly paranoid rage skeptics who are peddling some sci-fi nonsense about nanobots and Bill Gates wanting to control the world through 5G via this inoculation. No, the most dangerous people are the sane ones, the ones who studied science at some point in their life and can actually hold an intelligent conversation about some of the more intricate biological aspects of this situation. The ones who sound smart, 
You know them, because they are all over the internet right now, unbeknownst to them, fueling one of the greatest misinformation campaigns in human history. The doctor this and PhD that, who studied pathology in the 70s, yet somehow after 10 years selling real estate in Nevada have rediscovered their scientific pedigree and feel the need to peddle their ill-gained opinions all over YouTube and charge a small fortune to access their materials, essentially making money by selling their fear to the fearful. One quick disclaimer here about my so-called qualifications. I don't claim to be a scientist, though I did spend many years pretending to be one. I studied biology, worked in pathology and microbial diagnostics for the military, and then graduated in 1999 as one of the first Masters of Science recipients in the then-fledgling field of immunology. We were 34 students who graduated from Imperial College of Science, Technology and Medicine in London. It may sound auspicious that we were the first to get this master's degree, but it really was only a formality. This was the first time the degree had changed its name from a master's of infectious diseases and pathology to immunology. And yes, we were the first university in the world to offer this degree. After this, I worked at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in vaccine development under a GSK grant for HIV. I certainly don't claim to know more than I do, but I did spend hours upon hours memorizing the individual receptors on the cornucopia of cells that frequent the immune system for years. These receptors are known as clusters of differentiation, or CD for short. If you have read any papers on COVID, you would have possibly seen CD24 mentioned because an Israeli company has now been experimenting with a new drug that could potentially help treat severe COVID infections by targeting this exact receptor. It is one of over 370 different receptors that have been discovered on immune cells to date. These receptors work together in complex ways to create signaling cascades that help the body respond to foreign pathogens. The way the immune system works is incredible. And if there is enough positive feedback on this article, I can attempt to go into more depth on how it all works and why vaccines are important. But for now, let's just leave it at this. We are born with DNA that encodes this intricate immune system. This DNA was inherited from our parents who inherited from theirs and so on. Within the DNA is encoded our immune responses to every bacteria and virus that our ancestors were exposed to over the millennia. It is an incredibly intricate system that isn't exactly fail-safe, but it is the closest thing we have to a perfect safety net to protect us from the trillions of microbes out there that pose a risk to our health. Coronaviruses are dangerous because they are what are termed novel and emergent viruses, meaning our ancestors never encountered them, and as such, our specialized immune cells are not capable of staging a fast response, because this response has not been encoded in our DNA that we inherited. This is where vaccines come in. Whilst influenza has been with our species for nearly 2,000 years, the first human coronaviruses were only discovered in 1965 and were relatively rare and not very contagious. COVID-19 changed all that. There are two types of immune responses, innate and adaptive. Innate is what we were born with, as the name suggests. Adaptive is what we learn and develop during our lifespan. The reason why we need vaccines for emergent diseases is precisely because we did not inherit the capability to stage a quick response to them. It is as simple as that. Vaccines are an aid that make our cells mimic a scenario wherein we actually did inherit this DNA, and mRNA vaccines make this point even more vivid. 
Herd immunity is getting a significant portion, usually 70% of the total population or more, vaccinated, so that the risk of this virus spreading even further is minimized. In the case of the highly infectious Delta strain, 90% is advised by most epidemiologists. If only 50% of the population are vaccinated, the chance of this virus spreading exponentially in our communities is nearly as high as if no one would be vaccinated. This is the scary thing about logarithmic scales and the speed at which the virus multiplies in any given host. This speed is curbed in any vaccinated individual with a functioning immune system. The whole mission of this global vaccination drive is to protect exactly those people for whom the vaccine won't work, the elderly, the sick, and the immunocompromised. If you see a person drowning in a river, would you just keep walking on? Or would a part of your empathetic forebrain compel you to jump in and help? Right. That moral compass is what should be directing you towards your immunization station. Sitting on the fence on this topic may be easy, but it's intellectually propagating this exact misinformation campaign that is raging through the world right now. It is lazy and dangerous, as you are actively enabling the quacks, conspiracy theorists, and armchair immunologists by not speaking up. These people are all posing a serious public health threat to our livelihood at the moment. Having discussed this vaccine with numerous people now, I am not completely dumbfounded as to how little people actually understand immunology, because it's a very complicated scientific discipline. Notice how I say scientific and not medical, as this distinction is important. I am, on the other hand, however, completely and utterly dumbfounded by how much people actually think they understand about immunology. This phenomenon is referred to as self-delusion and is born of cognitive dissonance, something your brain does when it encounters information that fundamentally challenges your worldview. And vaccines, much like politics, money and religion, seem to be one of those topics that go deep into the human psyche, bringing out potentially the worst in us. Yes, you can still get infected when you have been administered the vaccine. This is true for every vaccine ever made. The vaccine doesn't create an invisible force field that keeps certain types of virus out. It literally just primes your immune cells to respond quicker when they do encounter that virus again. No, vaccines don't cause mutations in this virus. Mutations happen randomly in nature and are selected for by being the only virus types to survive and replicate. It is completely unrelated to how antibiotics affect bacterial mutation. Penicillin, for example, is a compound isolated from a fungus, used to puncture the cell wall of bacteria, thus killing them. It actively kills the bacteria. Vaccines don't work like that. And yes, this is a new and experimental vaccine that uses a novel technique to prime the immune cells. And yes, vaccines used to take years to come to market. But what people fail to realize is the incredible resources now at our disposal to create these types of vaccines. The amount of computing infrastructure used to emulate the virus and every possible biochemical reaction, every potential variable in the human body using powerful computers that we never had access to 20 years ago. The mRNA vaccine was created and tested independently in labs across four continents. It is an unprecedented example of cross-border collaboration and innovation. It represents the culmination of over 70 years of theoretical and practical experimentation with DNA. We have been working with mRNA in clinical applications for at least 30 years. This vaccine is an emblem as to how ingenious our species can be. Once you are vaccinated, the likelihood of you transmitting the virus is extremely low. 
your immune system has been primed, which means if you get infected, in no time at all the virus should be cleared from your system, in most cases within hours, leaving the window of opportunity for transmission nearly closed. We could say that vaccinated individuals don't transmit the virus at all and would technically be right in most cases, but scientists are honest and humble people. So they will admit there is a chance for an infection and subsequent transmission once vaccinated. But it is very slim, much slimmer than unvaccinated. The virus simply doesn't have the time to replicate enough because the primed immune cells get rid of it swiftly. Viruses multiply via a logarithmic scale, 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, and so on. It's called exponential growth and doesn't take long to reach astronomical numbers in the trillions. So the faster you stop this viral replication cycle, the better, and the less likely transmission is because the viral load is lower. It's physics. Now, an unvaccinated individual who gets infected will have this virus multiplying for several days, reaching these astronomical numbers, making them highly contagious compared to a vaccinated individual because the immune system hasn't learned how to fight it off yet. High viral load equals high transmissibility. Again, physics. The reason why our immune system can't react fast enough in the case of COVID versus influenza is that our species has never encountered this virus before which means we have no acquired or inherited immunity to it from our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and so on, as we talked about before. These viruses are called emergent viruses. Examples of these are Ebola, HIV, and hemorrhagic fever. None of those have particularly nice reputations, and for good reason. The immune system can't handle them because they've only just recently jumped the species barrier into humans. In the case of the unvaccinated, if you are lucky enough to eventually stage an immune response without losing the function of your lungs, spleen, or lymphatic system, or worse, dying of inflammation of the lung tissue, you will still be reinfecting people everywhere you go. And now to the vaccine shaming that people are complaining about. The reason why people are getting shamed is that this virus has an R0 number of 8 whereas the other variant was two. Whilst you are infected, you are likely to infect eight other people. Multiply that number up, and you can see the fiasco on our hands. In the case of New Zealand, we do not have the infrastructure to deal with a full-blown pandemic. The government knows this. I think we have like 200 ventilators for both islands. And that's why we are being so strict about the lockdown and vaccination. We simply don't have a plan B, unless plan B is mass casualties on a scale we have not seen since the Second World War. We are taking the vaccine to try to eliminate the virus from our species altogether, like we did with smallpox and polio, so we don't have to wear masks for the next 50 years. The other reason why shame happens and is perhaps justified is the following. We are a rich and spoiled country that has access to this marvel of science, state-of-the-art vaccine. Other countries aren't so lucky. For example, the Taliban doesn't like vaccines. So try living in Afghanistan where polio still kills people. And furthermore, there are people who are allergic to some of the ingredients in the vaccine or are too sick and immunocompromised to take it or in the elderly where it will be largely useless. The reason you get vaccinated is for them too, to protect the weaker members around us. You get vaccinated to reduce the likelihood of transmission. I understand and completely empathize with your skepticism of Big Pharma big profits, and the shortcomings of capitalism. Totally get that. 
Having worked in the world's largest pharmaceutical company in oncology, I experienced firsthand how greedy and manipulative they can be. Yet I also witnessed the rigor and pedantry of the drug approval process and how these medications save lives. I ask you this, is a pandemic the right time to tear down the system, to fundamentally rewrite the governance of free market and world economics? Is this the right way forward now? Or should we maybe all get vaccinated first and make sure our elderly, sick and compromised friends and family are okay and then work out how to tackle greed and the inequalities of free market capitalism and this twisted system? Because I agree with you, the system sucks and needs to be overhauled, yet timing is also everything. You can trust science, just like you wouldn't question the ability of a pilot to operate a plane, or for that matter, the engineering of an airplane wing to keep a plane up in the sky. You shouldn't now start questioning a scientific discipline that most medical doctors know little about. They trust the scientists who created the vaccine, as should you, just like you get on that long-haul flight without so much as betting an eyelid. This is not a topic up for discussion, like the weather or why you don't like eating chocolate ice cream, or whatever. You are not qualified to have an opinion. You're entitled to your opinion, but it really doesn't mean anything, especially not in the context of a raging pandemic. Your opinion is akin to graffiti put up on the wall of a public lavatory in feces. It's inappropriate, gross, and yes, even potentially dangerous from a public health perspective. Getting the vaccine is your civic duty. It's free. And it's not so much about my body, my choice, as it's about our society, my community, my responsibility. No one's asking you to go to war or donate a kidney. You literally just have to hold out your arm for three seconds. Oh, well... That was a lot. Um, I agree to most of everything that my brother wrote. At times I feel he uh, gets overly passionate, um, but I feel strongly about this topic as well. It's very divisive, of course. And uh, yeah, I mean, one thing that may help convince you is that my brother does not work for mainstream media. He's not getting paid to do this by any sort of corporations. Neither am I. My brother Christopher lives in Golden Bay in New Zealand. And I myself live in Austria in Innsbruck. I hope this has been interesting. Perhaps you've learned something. Hope you have a wonderful day. Until next time. Goodbye.